Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. I want to have really uh, more than a sermon where I tell you stuff. Um, I really want to help you work out some things that I think you've got to work out for yourself with Jesus. And if I explain that a minute, three times in the scripture we are told the just shall live by faith. I've discovered that you'll either live by faith because you choose to, or you'll live by faith because you have to. And many, many years ago, something got sparked inside of my life. I think the Holy Spirit began to open my eyes to the fact that following Jesus was not about a set of behaviours, a set of rules, a list of doctrines that you had to adhere to. It wasn't about church attendance or the way you did that, but it was just like the Bible says, it's a relationship with God. Jesus said, if I stand at the door and knock, if you open the door, he said, I'll come into you and I'll sup with you or live with you. And so there is something that is dynamic and is intensely personal about the way Jesus will lead you. And only you can walk the walk with Jesus that you get to walk. And that's an important thing to understand because so many times we want to find out the the next step and ask someone else. I think about John 21. I'm not even into the message yet, but John 21 where Peter hears Jesus speak about what his future is going to look like. He sees the apostle John walk past and says, Lord, what about him? And Jesus says, what is that to you? You follow me. In other words, saying it's not about how he's running his race. It's about how you're running yours. So I want to speak about the fight of faith, not as though it's a formula that you follow, not as though it's some kind of a set of rules or here's six steps. I want to talk to you about some things that I think can help you to say, I'm going to go on the journey with the Holy Spirit. I don't have to look a certain way or follow a certain thing like that, but I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit right at the start of this, Lord, would you help every single one of us to go on a journey of faith? No matter what we face in life, no matter what obstacles come our way, no matter what opportunities come our way, Lord, help us to become the people that you want us to be in Jesus' name. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12 is where the title of my message comes from. And it's Paul writing to this young pastor who set out to pastor a church in Ephesus. And he says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you also were called and have confessed the good confession. And that's not a confession of sin. The word confession there means to say the same thing as. And he says, in other words, you have made the statements of faith in the presence of many witnesses. But come back to the first phrase with me. It says, fight the good fight of faith. I played sport for many, many years and loved it. Competition sport and loved it. I've got to be honest with you. I I never called it a good game when we lost. I may have said we played well, but I never said it was a good game. Uh, You know, I still think that winning is relatively important to most of us in life. We want to succeed. There's something inbuilt in us. 
as human beings. I don't think it's wrong to aspire. I think it's part of the imprint of God in our life. The path of the just is as a shining light that shines more and more under the perfect day. The path of the just, or the path of life rather, winds upward for the wise, we are told. And so every one of us want to see God use us and do something great in our life. And so I believe a good fight, like it's speaking about, is a fight where we win. Amen. I don't think that Paul was saying, fight the good fight, but don't worry, you're going to be a washed up wreck of humanity. You know, it's going to be terrible. Your life's going to be just woeful. But don't worry, in the end, you'll die and go to heaven. I don't believe that. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have life more abundantly. Amen. So I believe that God's plan for my life is literally that my life will not be easy all the time, but it's going to be a life filled with His blessing and favour. And Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. In other words, no matter what happens in my life, God's got a way of turning that around and making it something wonderful in the end. John's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 33, I alluded to it a minute ago. Jesus said these words. He said, in this world you shall have tribulation or trouble or trials. He said, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. He said, don't worry about it. You're going to walk through some stuff, but that's okay. I've got a plan for your life. That sounds like a good fight to me. Amen. Maybe right now you're in round three or four and you're copping a few to the chin or to the midriff and you're starting to lose your puff a little bit. You might be saying, this is tougher than I thought. Don't give up because the bell hasn't sounded yet. The fight's not over. And I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. I want you to notice that 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12 doesn't say fight the good fight of believing or fight the good fight of asking or fight the good fight of praying. I've met many people that prayed, but the honest truth is at the finish of their prayer, they were worse off than when they started. I'll never forget a treasurer we had in this church many years ago. His name is Kokin Liao. Cocking Liao and his wife Esther, who just celebrated their 43rd wedding anniversary, I think about two weeks ago, a week before last, because Esther sent me a, a WhatsApp message telling me that they were celebrating it. So hi to Cocking and Esther in Singapore. Uh, but uh, I remember that at that stage, many years ago, our church had gone through a pretty big kind of financial dry time. Things were tough. And Cocking is our treasurer was in prayer one day and I remember he came to the next board meeting and he said to me, uh, Jeff, as I was praying today, he said, and telling the Lord about our problem and about how big it was and about all of our needs and about all that was going on in every circumstance, he said, I heard the Lord say this to me in my time of prayer. He said, the Lord said, stop telling me about the mountain. Go tell the mountain about me. I've never forgotten that. I think it's 
one of those beautiful times when we can come to prayer and we're telling God all about the problem. And if it just stopped there, we'll actually leave it worse off than when we started. Prayer is not what we're told to fight the good fight of. We're not told to fight the good prayer of asking. I know lots of people to bring to God their shopping list, all the stuff they want to see God do. It says fight the good fight of faith. And faith is a lot more than simply hoping. Faith is a lot more than I wish. Faith is a lot more than, well, wouldn't it be nice if? And faith is even a lot more than believing that God can. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, there's a man who comes to Jesus. He's a leper. And in his day, it was an incurable disease. It meant that you had complete social isolation. Talk about lockdown. No one could touch you. You had to leave your family, your job, walk out like that. The moment the priest spotted that white spot in your skin and identified it as leprosy, you had to leave. They'd take all of your clothes and burn them. It was uh, more than a social disease. It made you, you had to leave the city and live outside as a beggar. That was the only way no one would buy anything from you. You couldn't make anything. You couldn't earn any income. And they would just completely ostracise you. Can you imagine if your wife was pregnant with a child, you would never be able to hold that child because you weren't allowed to touch anybody. If your family still were willing to bring you food, they would literally come and put it down about 20 paces away from you and then leave it, step back. They would call out to you. You could come and take that food. Sadly for many people, their families were so paranoid about it, they wouldn't even do that much. So when this man comes to Jesus, he asks this question. He said, Lord, if you want to. I know many people that that's their starting point. Lord, I don't know. I'm not sure. I know you can, but faith doesn't say, can you? Faith says, I believe you will. And I love in Matthew 8 verse 3, Jesus says, I will be thou cleansed. In other words, it was one of the few times where someone came and said, I know you can, but I'm not sure if you will. And I love the absolute certainty of Jesus' reply See, you can trust God. You can trust His Word. Faith doesn't just go, well, I hope. We are not, uh, you know, spinning the roulette wheel of, of prayer, hoping that God will answer. We're not going, well, I hope He's awake today. But faith comes with a firm grip on God's promises, regardless of how big the need is. But I want you to think with me quickly tonight, and I won't go to all these Scriptures. I'll reference them. You can look them up later. But I want you to think of how many of Jesus' miracles that he did involved the persistence on the part of the person with the problem. The very first miracle that Jesus did was at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Mary, his mother, comes and says, they've run out of wine. He says to her, listen to this. This is the Son of God speaking to his mother. And he says, what's that got to do with me? It's not my time. In other words, he says, Mum, I'm not doing it. Mum, hello, who, who's boss here? And yet he does the miracle. At first he declines. 
Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, a woman who was, again, incurable, an issue of blood that, again, meant she couldn't touch anybody else. And the Bible says, when she had heard of Jesus, verse 25, when she'd heard of Jesus, she came in the crowd and she pressed through the crowd, though she wasn't supposed to even be where others were. She pressed through the crowd and touched the hem of His garment, for she said, if I may touch but His clothes, I shall be made whole. In that same chapter of Mark's Gospel 5, there's the story of Jairus, whose daughter lies at home near the point of death. And as Jesus is waylaid by this woman with her need, the time passes, the clock ticks. He sees a servant coming from his house. He knows it's not good news. The servant interrupts him and Jesus and says, Why trouble the master any further? Your daughter's dead. Jesus says to him, Be not afraid. Only believe. Have you ever noticed that Jesus speaks of faith at the strangest times? He speaks of faith when the storm is raging and you think you're going to drown. He speaks of faith when the bad news has come and everyone says it's too late. He speaks of resurrection when Lazarus has been dead for three days. And so never assume that your circumstances dictate how your faith can operate. Never look at what's happening out there to allow that to decide how strongly you should pray. Are you hearing me tonight? Don't let what you are feeling or what they've said tell you what can happen. Jairus has to go on a journey and he walks that whatever distance it was home and Jesus raises up his daughter. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, there's a man who's got a tormented son. He spent hours with the disciples. They're no help at all sees Jesus coming down from the mountain and the man leaves the disciples, goes to Jesus, falls at his feet and said, my son is tormented badly. And I brought him to the disciples. They couldn't do anything. Jesus says to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. The man says a beautiful phrase. I love it. I love it when God lets us see our humanity. He says, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. In other words, God, I'm trying. And Jesus doesn't say, well, come back when you got it. He says, let me go with you. And he goes and heals the boy. In Luke 17, it's 10 lepers. And verse 14 says, as they went, they were cleansed. Jesus said, go, but they weren't healed straight away. It was as they went. John 9, it's a man born blind. And he's, uh, he says to Jesus, would you give me back my sight? Jesus spits. That's not very nice, is it? I wouldn't call that a great way to come to church. And the pastor spits in the ground. And makes mud out of it, puts mud in the man's eyes. Why? I don't know why. I just know that he did that. And then he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, I've checked this out on a map. And I can tell you that from where the man was and the pool of Siloam is not around the corner. It's not at the next block. We are talking about a blind man walking somewhere between one and one and a half kilometres. Now, the average length of step for a woman and a man taking the medium point is 650 millimetres because I checked it out. So let's go at one kilometre. At one kilometre, the blind man has to take around about 1,538 steps. 1,538 At step one, he's a blind man. At step two, 
he's a blind man with mud in his eye. At step 10, he's a blind man. At step 20, he's a blind man. At step 100, he's a blind man. At step 500, he's a blind man. At step 1,000, he's a blind man. But at step 1,538, when he washes in the pool of Siloam, it says, and he came seeing. How many of Jesus' miracles involved the person having to go on a journey that faith never just said, that's it, magic wand, here it goes. Can I say to you tonight, don't pray for an easier life. Pray to be a stronger, more resilient follower of Jesus. We all want an easier life and I'm no different to you. I wish all my problems would disappear. I'm just now, after all these years, getting a little bit more used to the fact that that's never going to happen. I'll have victory, but victory by definition involves a battle, doesn't it? Have you ever thought about why we all want God to take away our temptations so we don't have to fight our flesh? Hello? Is there anybody else in the building but me? Is there anybody a part of this service out there? I don't know about you. I don't want to resist temptation. I want God to go and make it disappear. I'm the only one. Thought I might be. I'm just being so honest here with you. I, I want God to fix it. I don't want to ever have lack. I want to have abundance. I don't want to ever have sickness. I want to be well. I've got the same desires you have. And yet I've discovered that many times I don't get an easier life, but I will get a stronger, more resilient one. Never declare that you're just meant to live with something because the answer's not instant. I'll say that again. I know it's up on the screen for you, but it's so important. Never decide that you're just meant to live with it. Every one of those miracles I spoke about, every one of them took place because somebody, listen to me, somebody said no is not an option. I'm not prepared to accept that. I'm going to press in. I'm going to seek God. Come on. I don't know about you, but that challenges me because in so many parts of my life where I want to give up or give in, where I don't want to fight, where I'd rather just take whatever easy option may be available. I said this to someone the other day. I said, you know, uh, there's always an option. If you want an easier life, just keep on giving in. If you're a leader, just keep on giving in. Just keep on giving in to temptation, to pressure, to stress. Just give in. You'll, you'll have an easier life. You just never will have a great one. Amen? Come on, are you with me here? I know you are. And yet every single one of us, we want to, don't declare that you're meant to just live with it. Seven times in seven different messages to seven different churches in the book of Revelation, Jesus utters this phrase, to the one who overcomes. Seven times. It's the one thing he says to seven different churches with all their diversity and all the different issues they faced. He says to every one of them, same thing, to him that overcomes. Let me just take you quickly tonight. I'm going to not be too long, but in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, and the Scriptures for this won't be up there because there's just too many of them, but many of you will know the story. It's after Jesus' baptism, 
Verse 1 says that Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness there to be tempted by the devil. All right? And then the devil comes with three temptations. We could go into what they are and what they represent, how they have significance for all of us, but I don't have the time for that tonight. I want to zero in on just a couple of things. I want to zero on the fact that every time the devil came with his pressure, every time the devil came and in the middle of this season where he's in a desert, by the way, and there's no worship band, there's no team in the background saying, my living hope or anything like that. Hallelujah. There's no congregation holding up my hand. There's nobody. If I turn around for chat, you know, chat time. There's no one to chat to. I've got no signal. I'm out in the wilderness. There's no one there. I can't feel God. All I feel is the presence of evil. There's nobody else there with him. There's no partner to walk with in this. And in the midst of all this, what do you listen? What do you lean on where in your worst space? When you're, listen to me, when your feelings have disappeared, when the sense of God's overwhelming goodness you left back at the River Jordan. There's no dove, no voice from heaven. There's no John the Baptist, your cousin, to encourage you. It's just you. Well, I'll tell you what Jesus does. Three times, He doesn't just go, well, I think. Well, I've got an idea. Well, I heard a sermon the other day. I heard John the Baptist preach. Jesus does something very profound that's so easy to miss. He says this, it is written. Three times. Three times. And you go, what, what was he quoting? Was he quoting the newspaper? Was he quoting something that someone had written in a book? No, he's quoting the word of the living God. Thy word is truth. He quotes that. Isn't it interesting? Some of us are far too clever to do something that simple. We're going to go, you know what, I've got an idea, I'll just try and work my round it. But Jesus goes, it is written. Can I say to you tonight, the devil is not bothered by your opinion. And he's not moved by your doctrine or by the church name or by how many times you got baptised or by how many times you, you know, can say the Lord's Prayer or how many hallelujahs you can fit in a sentence. But the only thing, I love verse 11. It says, and the devil leaves him. Why did the devil leave? Because he was getting nothing out of Jesus but the Word of God. If I had time, I'd take you to Ephesians 6 with the armour of God. And the armour of God, you put on the breastplate of righteousness, your loins gird about with truth. Jesus is my righteousness. Thy Word is truth. He is the, the way, the truth, and the life. Feet shall with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It's the good news of Jesus. He takes up the shield of faith. He's the author and finish of our faith. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We put on our head the helmet of salvation. He is our Saviour. Can I say to you that if you put all that on, when you are wearing the armour of God and the devil turns up, guess who you look like? You look like Jesus. And the only way he can tell whether it's Jesus or not is by what you say when he arrives. Huh? Any lights going on for anybody here? When he hears you speak, Oh God, I'm sick of this. Oh God, it's not fair. God, I've been a good Christian. I've followed you. God, is this what I get? 
And he goes, oh, that ain't Jesus. For a minute, I thought it was Jesus. So he says to all these little demonic cohorts, we got this guy. You know, when I played basketball competitively, I always knew we were going to win when the other team fought themselves. When they, you'd hear them bickering with one another. I was, I'd say to our guys, we got this. Because they're never going to win when they can't even agree. Hey, man. So, hey, when, if you're wearing the armour of God and if you're born again, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're wearing that armour, make sure what comes out of your mouth makes him think you're Jesus. Because he, he doesn't have a forgettery, he remembers. Huh? And you know what? He can remember way back in the wilderness where somebody that he thought he could get, every time he asked him a question, this guy said, it is written. And when you start saying, it is written, he's going, oh, no, not him again. Oh, God. No, here we go. How many Jesuses are there? Three times the devil comes. Let me finish by telling you a story I mentioned it last week. A number of years ago, one of my children came up with lumps all over their skull. They went to the GP, as we recommended they do, and the GP sent them to a radiologist who did the x-rays and sent them home with a manila envelope. I remember opening it up because I was thinking if I paid for it, I get the right to look at it. So I opened it up and I remember one phrase jumped off the radiologist's report. It said, Hodgkinson's lymphoma. And immediately my heart, I knew what that was, a very aggressive and virulent uh, disease that for some people at any rate has been fatal and I was really quite alarmed. I remember it was only three of us, my wife and I and our child, that knew what was happening. They didn't want anyone else to know. And I, only a parent perhaps, or maybe everybody will understand, I don't know. But when it's one of your children, you pray like you've never prayed. You seek God like you've never sought God. And I wasn't begging God, I remember so clearly that the moment I read it out of nowhere, but it didn't come out of nowhere, it came out of years of reading the Word of God. That's why I'm always telling you, read your Bible. Don't just open it when you come to church. Read it every day. I remember this verse out of Psalm 91, verse 10. There shall no evil befall you. No plague will come, nor your dwelling. It was like lit up in my mind. You know, I think that day I said that verse out loud or under my breath probably a hundred times. And the next day, a hundred times. We tried to get an appointment with a specialist. They said I was one in three weeks. I got on the phone and I said, you don't understand. This is my daughter. This is my child. I got an appointment the next day. That night, though, as I've been saying this throughout the day, there shall no evil before you, no plague will come nigh your dwelling. It was 1 a.m. in the morning, 1 or 1.30. I remember everyone else has gone to bed. I can't sleep. I walked out into our house. I could take you to the exact spot where I was standing. And I was standing there just saying, Lord, I wasn't panicking. 
I genuinely wasn't trying to twist God's arm. You can't do that anyway. I was just saying, Lord. And as I said that, and that verse came to my heart again, it was literally like someone poured warm honey from the top of my head all over my body, the soles of my feet. And I heard, not an audible voice, but I heard a voice say, they're going to be all right. We went to the specialist the next day, examined our child, and he started laughing. I was quite angry at him. Quite frankly, I said, how dare you laugh? This is serious. He said, I think your child is a virus. Now, to this day, I can't tell you whether it was a virus all the way along. I have no idea. All I know is one specialist said it was one thing and another one told me later. I do know this, no matter what it was, at that moment, I thank God for all the times I'd learned to take the Word of God and not just read it, but let it dwell in my heart and let it come out of my mouth. I thank God that I'd gone on a journey of faith. Have I stumbled? Oh, yeah, I have. Have I fallen flat on my face? Have I prayed for things that never happened? Of course I have. I've just never stayed down very long. Amen. And I'm not saying that so you'll think I'm some hero because I don't think I am at all. I think I'm just as ordinary as anybody. I think if I have a gift, it's the gift of being stubborn. Just saying, Lord, but you said this. So God, I'm hanging on. I'm believing. Paul said to Timothy, if you'll fight the fight of faith, you'll discover it's a good fight in Jesus' name. I want to encourage you. Please, if you're a part of the service, you're hearing this, or maybe you're, you're a part of the service later on. Maybe it's next week or several weeks' time and you're a part of the service, you're logging on to that. I want to encourage you. God's not finished with you. It's not over. The last chapter's not been written. God's with you. He wants to help you. You can trust Him. Why don't you go on the adventure with the Holy Spirit, because that's what it is. I don't know enough to know how to fix everything. I certainly don't know enough to know all I need to know. That's why I want to walk with the Holy Spirit. That's why I talk about him so often. Because he's not a cloud. He's not some vague entity that occasionally intervenes in my life. Jesus said, I will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. He comes into my world and he's there with me. It starts when somebody says yes to Jesus. You've heard us speak about this so often and I never want to quickly run past it because that yes is the thing that opens the door to Jesus coming in. How good is that? Christianity is not a moral code. It's not a whole set of doctrines. It's not a religion. Christianity is someone called Christ who loves you enough to die for you and says, I want to come into your world. So I know people will say, yes, in a minute, Pastor Bruce is going to come out and if you've got questions, you can start sending them in 0439134764 or in 5metrochurch.org.au. But before he comes, I want to pray for people here. I know there are people in this service and you need to say yes. Maybe you said yes years ago or some time ago and then you just kind of never really got going or you stumbled. 
please never think, well, God's there going, hey, I gave you one chance. He's not the God of one chance. He's the God of the second chance and the third and the fourth. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for everybody that's here. Thank you for everyone, Lord, that is joined right now with us and is hearing you whisper to them, you can do this. I know, Lord, that's what you're saying to so many, that you want to start something with them. Some of them, Lord, they need to start a life with you by saying yes to Jesus. Some of them, Lord, they've already said that, yes, now they need to start the life of faith by saying, Lord, I'm going to walk with you through every valley and every difficulty. You'll be with me. Lord, if I'm ever in a wilderness and I'm ever alone, and there's nobody else there, I thank you that your word will always be there with me as my rod and my staff to comfort me. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pastor Bruce, you're going to be praying with people in a minute, and I love that. I love the team. Can I say a big thank you, by the way? Because I know, I don't know how many, I think it was 40 or something at the last count you told me, uh, people that are, are part of our online prayer team, people that pray for all the prayer needs, about 40-something in it. Yep, all throughout the week, every week. And if people want to become a part of that, they can, but just contact you. Uh, yeah, just uh, send me a direct email, bruce at metrochurch.org.au, and uh, we'd love to start that uh, journey with you. It'd be great. That'd be awesome. Love to have you as one of those people. By the way, if you ever send in a prayer request, uh, it's always confidential. We don't identify you. When we send it out to the teams, we don't tell them your personal details. That's not for everyone to know. God knows. Uh, we just appreciate that you let us know what God is doing. Have we got any questions at all? Not yet. Not yet. So now's the time. Does that mean everyone was listening so hard they never thought of a question? Do you have any questions? Could, could be. Pastor could Bruce, be. tell me about your journey of faith. And let me ask you some of the difficult ones because, well, every one of them is difficult, whether it's healing you need in your body, whether it's a financial thing, whether it's... But sometimes I think so much of our life is so internal. They're, the, to me, I think the great struggles of walking with Jesus. And have you found God's help in those parts of your life? Yeah, well, it's interesting you met, what you mentioned in your message uh, this evening. You also spoke to the staff on Friday about it. Oh, um, cool. And, and the, the phrase or the message was along the lines of, if you want an easy life, uh, then just give up trying hard and just exist uh, and don't bother trying to achieve things and don't bother trying to strive and don't try, uh, bother trying to be victorious. Um, and then you'll have a really easy slash boring slash almost useless <laughs> life. Um, but I, I see the Why appeal. Why do you say what you really think? <laughs> I see the appeal in that. But I also know the huge benefit and the blessing it is uh, that when you press into God and you say, no, I won't give up, I will continue pressing on no matter how hard it seems and no matter how many times you stumble. Uh, and then God just gets to do amazing things through anything. I'm so glad I didn't give up. Yeah, I think we've all felt that, haven't we, Bruce, where you just look back and go, the victory, this sounds weird, but the victory almost makes the battle worthwhile, doesn't it? You Absolutely. walk through it. And you come out the other end and go, wow, you know, I, the devil told me that was going to be the end, that I wouldn't rise above this. I love that verse where it says the righteous falls seven times, but he or she rises up again. Mm, for sure. Awesome. Okay, something's coming through here. Oh, okay. All right. 